today on Ag News Daily. At that time, I was, you know, kind of scared of public speaking and talking to, you know, different people. But I love farming and I love, you know, trying to um, tell people all about it. So that's kind of where it started. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is a Friday, January 26th edition here of the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell coming at you solo today. And I'm going to run you through some quick headlines here, but we'll keep today's episode a little bit shorter since Tanner is out on the road today. As we take a look at the weather heading into the weekend, Tanner usually covers this topic, but I wanted to come prepared. As we look at the National Weather Service's forecast for the next few days heading into the weekend here, we're going to see quite a bit of continued fog for much of the Midwest and high plains. I was kind of the lone space that doesn't have it, and there's a hole right in the middle of the state of Iowa. But all around Iowa with the Dakotas, Nebraska, Kansas, Texas, and even the panhandle of Oklahoma into Missouri, Illinois, and very eastern Iowa is experiencing some dense fog today and headed into the weekend. But some bigger storm cells are moving through as we're going to see quite a bit of flash flooding and small stream flooding that could impact the deep south into the southern Appalachian Mountains through Saturday. There's also going to be periods of heavy rain and high elevation snow expected in the Pacific Northwest, with some heavy snow expected in the mix headed into the northeast. The Northeast, as we continue through the rest of the weekend here, should largely get some continued winter mix with some potential heavy snowfall and freezing rain. There isn't anything too pressing in the forecast for the high plains and central Midwest here outside of today's fog, but be on the watch for continued fog over the weekend. But that's the latest U.S. weather headlines I've got for today. But I also wanted to turn our attention to South American weather. As we look at the past week we've had here, we saw increased rainfall across the state of Buenos Aires in Argentina. And in East Central Argentina, there was little to no rainfall anomalies where they got about two inches below normal. Soil moisture levels have started to trend downward to near normal levels across the past week getting some beneficial rains here. But the big question is, will there be enough rainfall to keep crops in good to excellent condition heading into February, their final stretch of the growing season? With the outlook ahead here, precipitation for the next week is showing below normal rainfall extending through northern Argentina into central Brazil, but that doesn't necessarily mean no rainfall is expected. In some trade headlines here, we have had the mid-year check-in meetings between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico as a part of their commitment to the USMCA agreement. The senior advisor to the U.S. Trade Representative's office, Cara Moro, met with Mexico's Undersecretary of Economy for Foreign Affairs in Toronto earlier this week. Discussions in the meeting included topics such as the steel and aluminum exports to the U.S., as well as the rapid response labor mechanism. There was also the call for progress on Mexico's energy policies and environmental laws related to fisheries. But notably, they're saying the U.S. Trade Representative's office did not mention the dispute over GMO corn. 
Morrow also met with Canada's Deputy Minister for International Trade, expressing dissatisfaction with Canada's dairy tariff rate quota allocations measures. And while those meetings were going on in Canada, we saw Canadian Ag Minister had discussions with Secretary Vilsack this week as well regarding the proposed changes to the voluntary product of the U.S. labeling regulations for meat and livestock, but more explicitly, continued concern over the United States Prop 12 going on in California. McCauley embarked on his first ministerial outreach trip to the United States since his import appointment as agriculture minister back in July of 2023. And he said Canada and have and the U.S. have a bond like no other in the world. He said his discussions with American partners highlighted the importance and the unique agricultural partnership between the two countries, but expressed pretty explicit concerns over the enactment of Proposition 12. They also discussed sustainable agriculture for both countries as they look to collaborate on future agricultural innovations and focus on climate change. But he also took some time to meet with other commodity organizations, including the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and the Canadian Cattle Association. The two groups spent time discussing the importance of reducing trade barriers and the importance of the beef supply chain. So... Not a big headline there, but good to see we are having positive discussions with those different trade partners as well. Taking a look here at some sustainable aviation news. We have seen the first plant designed solely to produce sustainable aviation fuel was officially opened earlier this week. Dignitaries from across the world gathered in Soperton, Georgia, to congratulate the new facility as Lanza Jet is going to be the first ethanol to jet fuel production plant in Soperton, Georgia. This, however, rang some sounding bells within the corn and ethanol industry. Specifically here, Monty Shaw, the executive director of the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association, said during a press conference on Wednesday following the announcement of this production facility in Georgia opening that Iowa was behind the eight ball as we continue to look at being able to do business with those that are focused on sustainable aviation. A big point that they're focused on is the reduction that sustainable aviation fuel has on their environmental footprint. The technology that Lanza Jet plant is expected to use to produce the SAF fuel will reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 70% compared to that of fossil-based jet fuel. But Monty Shaw and others are raising the alarm bells saying that the ability for U.S. ethanol production and more specifically Iowa corn farmers and Iowa ethanol facilities, the way we're capturing carbon right now is not going to be as impactful as what is going to be needed for SAF to commit to using Iowa ethanol and Iowa corn production. He said that in turn, we really need to focus on a bigger way to capture carbon. And of course, referencing the carbon pipeline projects that have been at a standstill here for many different companies here in the Midwest. But Only time will tell here how that story continues to play out for the industry. 
Taking a look here at a final headline I have for this morning, we've got some exciting other planter news. I know we just recently talked about another planter model that was hitting the market here within the next year or so, but Kinsey Manufacturing is also introducing a new pivot fold planter. The 5670 Pivot Fold Split Row Model Planter will plan to debut in the 2025 planting season. The company says the new planter delivers enhanced productivity, increased operator convenience, and efficient serviceability. If you're headed to the National Farm Machinery Show here February 14th through the 17th in Louisville, Kentucky, you can be sure to check out the Kinsey 5670 Planter when they'll have it unveiled for show attendees to view up close and in person. But with that, I told you I'd keep news a little shorter here today, and that is all I have for news. So let's take a quick look here at where the markets traded in the overnight. March corn closed four and a half cents down in the overnight. We'll open this morning at 4.47 and a quarter. March soybeans down 11 and three quarter cents to open on the board at 12.11 and a half. Taking a look at the wheat complex, the March Chicago contract Closed seven and a half cents higher, opening on the board this morning at six oh four and three quarters. March hard red winter wheat down six and a quarter cent at six thirty and three quarters, and March spring wheat closed seven pennies lower in the overnight, opening this morning at seven oh two. Taking a look at the livestock markets here as they head into their final trading session of the week, February live cattle will open at a buck seventy seven seventy two and a half. March feeder cattle will open at 238.17, and February lean hogs will open at 74.30 on the board. Taking a look at today's conversation, we're doing a little bit of a people behind ag today, catching up with Andrew Moak, the current president of the North Dakota Corn Growers Association. So let's turn it over to that conversation. Well, Tanner, I'm really excited for today's conversation. It's kind of a people of ag behind the scenes of some of the people that are prominent in the ag space. And Andrew Malk is no stranger to being in the limelight, so to speak. Andrew is the current president of the North Dakota Corn Growers Association, a fellow farmer. And Andrew, we're just very excited to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, I'm excited too. This will be be really good. So Andrew, talk to us about your family farming operation and uh, what led you to deciding to run on the North Dakota Corn Growers Association board some time ago. Yeah, so it's uh, kind of been a little journey and probably unorthodox a little bit. Um, I come from a family farm. I'm a fourth generation farmer. Uh, my far- my dad is um, still active on the farm. I mean, he's retired, but he's still when we still here when we need him. And I farm with my brother and my nephew. And um, we farm mostly corn, uh, but we also do soybeans, black beans, and sugar beets on about 6,000 acres here in the southeast part of North Dakota. Um, and yeah, um, I have uh, a wife and four four kids, uh, ages 15 to 10. And um, yeah, no, really excited to kind of visit here a little bit today and and kind of just, you know, our main goal as and on the family farm is, you know, I like my my kids to be able to farm if they if they choose to and um kind of, you know, so that's kind of where I like to start a lot of my conversations cuz um a lot of people have that same thoughts and you know what works and what what doesn't work isn't always the same. So so as you first started getting involved with the Corn Growers Association, what led you to attend that first meeting? 
Well, um, honestly, I never really was involved too much with politics and advocacy and and this and that. Um, I kind of started um, asking a little more questions, I would say probably 10 years ago. It was probably um, roughly 10 years after I started farming. Um, and um, we kind of have districts um, that we represent um, for this. And so I was kind of asking some questions with my, our district um, guy that was on the on the board at that time. And um, just kind of said, you know, I, I think I'd be interested, but wanted more, more, more information. And at that time, I was, you know, kind of scared of public speaking and talking to, you know, different people, but I love farming and I love, you know, trying to um, tell people all about it. So that's kind of where it started. Um, if you would have told me, you know, six years ago when I got on the board that I'd be the president, um, I would have laughed at you and said, there's no way you know how that <laughs> I was going to do that. But it's one of them things you kind of get involved with. And I jumped in with both feet running and, um, you know, just love talking about farming and how we can, you know, work together, uh, you know, and, and achieve these common goals. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I'm definitely out of my comfort zone, but it's uh, sometimes you got to do that to uh, to get get some good things done. I feel like most of those board president positions, Delaney, start off that way. The presidents usually when they join don't initially think they're going to be president one day. That's what I was thinking, too. And Andrew, I appreciate that you shared your fear of public speaking, because I think so many people can resonate with that. And just thinking about getting involved, right? We all have lots of other things on our plate with family and farming, but you decided to, to make that leap of faith so to speak, and commit your time outside of your regular obligations to serve both on the board and as the president for the past two years. So during your kind of six years in office, what are some of the focuses that you have had on the board with the North, North Dakota Corn Growers Association? Yeah, so kind of when I first started, you know, that first year kind of was, you know, like I said, I'll say I was pretty green to the the whole everything they did and, and whatnot. So it was kind of soaking everything in. And like I said, I kind of jumped in with both feet running. And um, I I got on after the first year, I got on a national corn action team. So national corn um, kind of has seven different action teams that they kind of specialize in, uh, where they have a group of um, 10 to 15 farmers on each this action team. And um, kind of been on one ever since. I actually just took over the chairmanship of the one I've been on uh, for about three years now. And that's a production technology access team. Um, so we do a lot with biotech and, um, you know, um, meeting with uh, EPA and talking about uh, all those kind of different things with pesticides and things. Um, but yeah, it's um, kind of been, you know, I, I started out kind of on the ethanol realm a little bit, um, attending some you know, ethanol meetings and, and fly-ins out in DC. Um, and I would say the biggest thing that we kind of try to do is talk to our, our neighbors and people around the state with, you know, issues they're seeing. And then we'll kind of take that to Bismarck to some of the legislators there and, you know, advocate for the issues they're seeing or, you know, kind of try to work together to, to let them know, you know, what works on the farm, what doesn't. And then on the national scale, kind of the same thing, but out in DC and 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 taking trips out there so i would say typically i i'm out in dc maybe two to three times a year um kind of and we spend one or two days on the hill kind of i, I like to say educating just because it's you know there's so many people in the legislature um both locally and out in dc that just you know they're they're kind of eager to learn but they just don't know much about farming so as you reflect on 
your time in leadership so far, what's been something exciting that you've got, your group has been able to accomplish? Um, I would say, I guess right off the top of my head, um, you know, locally, it's just been a lot of our focus late, lately has been um, kind of animal ag and how we can work together with, um, you know, with, you know, trying to get things through to be a little bit more uh, animal ag friendly here in North Dakota, um, trying to get some legislation through that uh, makes it a little more conducive to, you know, starting up um, animal feeding operations or things of that nature, bringing other outside companies in to work with us uh, to do that um, as pretty much the majority of our corn locally anyway, gets sold to either an ethanol plant uh, close by or goes to animal feed. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing is just being able to work that out and get some legislation put in to, to make that more conducive. And I think the big question that's probably sitting on your mind, I'm sure as well as other board members is two years as president, do you plan to run again to continue to serve the association? You know, I, I really enjoy my time um, doing it. I, I, I probably would not um, be opposed to doing it again. Typically, kind of how we have done it, um, it's a one-year term and you get reelected. Um, typically, people go two years, I would say, and then kind of let the next man up go. Um, but it's kind of one of them things that, you know, um, you'd like to encourage people to, to do those things. And, you know, sometimes it's just ready to um, step back and help and be a little mentor um, to them things and still be super involved. So um, I guess I wouldn't be opposed to it, but that's kind of typically how it's been here in North Dakota. So what would you say to those listeners that maybe have an interest in joining an association and don't know if it's right for them or what the first steps are? I would say just um, start asking questions, you know, talk to your local um, leaders that that you have and, and just start asking questions, you know, see if it's, you know, what we all do and why we do it. Um, you know, I've been blessed in the, in the situation that I'm in with, a, you know, a family operation that I am able to leave um, and spend some time doing these. And I know not everybody has that luxury, um, but, um, you know, it's, it's just asking questions and seeing, um, you know, being willing, I guess, to step out onto that uncomfortable stage a little bit and, and, you know, it, it isn't always like, like I said, for me, it was not a comfortable um, situation to, you know, the board aspect was, you know, that I was comfortable with that, but it was just, you know, going out and, and you know, seeing a legislator will say that um, you never met before and just introducing yourself and telling your story. Um, you know, a lot of these guys are eager to eager to hear and, and whatnot. So it's just kind of start asking questions and, and seeing if that's something you're able to or want to um, explore a little bit more. Fantastic, Andrew. Well, we appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. That time went so fast, but it was great to learn a little bit more about your background and some of the focuses that you've had as president the past few years. Yes, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Well, folks, that does it for another week here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Be sure to catch back up with us next week. We've got some exciting news in the works. I won't give too much away, but be uh, making sure you're subscribed to us here on your podcast platform, as well as on social media for some exci exciting teasers of what's to come. Until then, we'll catch you back here on Market Monday.